All right. Dr. Glenn Doyle. That's me. That's me. Are you are you feeling a little bit of an echo? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling a little bit of an echo. I, I like the drum. I was hoping I'd get the drum roll. Yeah. That's right. That's well, that's I mean, you know, that's that's the old theme song from Sergeant Slaughter. Back in the day, like his entrance music was just that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it would just go on and on. It wasn't annoying at all, man. <laughs> well, they, they had way simpler, simpler theme songs back then. That's true. No, no. no uh, what was the, the, the Ruthless Aggression album or yeah. uh, Adrenaline? What was the other one? It was like Ruthless well, Adrenaline or something. And then they had like the WWF, the music. Yeah, volume. Yeah. I had volume four. <laughs> with the with the DX song on it, and that's right. And it had uh "You Think You Know Me." That's right. Pop, pop. I think it might have had the X Pac theme on it too, but I don't know if they put both on the same album. Well, I mean, it, it, it's hard to imagine that there even was a time when not everyone had entrance music, right? Like, 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 because I remember, like, so I got into 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 watching kind of in, in the late eighties when I was like a real little kid and, mm -hmm. and back in the day, like, so you had, you know, there, there were times when like really popular charismatic people, you know, like, like there was a time when Brutus, the barber beefcake had no entrance music mm -hmm. and it was fascinating. So he had a big feud with the honky tonk man when honky was intercontinental champion. Yeah. He was cool and cocky and bad. Cool. He's cool. He's cocky. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it was amazing because honky would always come out first cause he was the heel Mm -hmm. And and he had this really flamboyant entrance with like all the the, the music and I mean and talk about a guy who just gets pro wrestling like, like the honky tonk guy he gets the art form like he gets right, right right so he would have this really flamboyant entrance and then like it would go silent and then Brutus would come in he didn't have entrance music mm -hmm. but he was the face and it was like so weird to like <laughs> they, have him coming down did they, they didn't they didn't want to drown out the baby face pops that he was receiving. <laughs> You would get that road warrior pop, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. <laughs> but that's the thing. And at the moment, he was big. He was, right. I mean, he was a huge, huge baby face. But there's, I mean, there's a time when, when the Million Dollar Man, kind of before Money, 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 like, like he didn't have entrance music either. And again, you think of these people, like, like now, like even the guys who are coming out for the first time, like they've got the the entrance video and the music and 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 whatever, and it's it's weird to think that there was a time that wasn't the case. But even in the even like when they're even in the eighties, like Randy Savage's music was just pomp and circumstances. It's not like <laughs> pomp and circumstances. Why did I say circumstances? The circumstances <laughs> yeah. were very pompous. They were. <laughs> the Macho Man. They they're always they're they're the cream <laughs> of the crop. Ooh, dig it. But. The, the which, which was so blur. random, by the way. Like, 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 pop and circumstance. Like, what? It's the it's the graduation. Right, the it's like, it was, <laughs> what are we graduating from from Monday night? <laughs> like, why? Like, why not? But it worked. Like, it right. totally worked. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a ceremony. His matches were a ceremony, so that's a ceremonial tune. Well, I mean, if if we're being Gorilla Monsoon, they were a happening. They were. Uh, it was a happening in there. They were. They were literally hanging from the rafters. It's a happening right in here. But yeah, because I remember, like, so when I was a real little kid, uh, my dad would take me to the matches. Like, so I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, and mm -hmm. and that was you know, it was kind of a B town. But you know, you're they, they a Chicago guy now, right? 
Right now I'm in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Chicago is the A town. It's the mm -hmm. A town. Rosemont Horizon. Yeah. Dig it. Now the Allstate Arena. But um, peace up, A town down. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're the land of punk out here, or I guess I guess nowhere's the land of punk these days. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, but so so the Fed would come through. Like we never got really any WCW or NWA um, until they got big. Until they got big in like '97, '98. Right when they were cool. when they were like competition, competition. Right. Like in those '83 weeks. Yeah, those, those famous 83 weeks right. that, that we will never hear the end of those right. famous 83 weeks. <laughs> and so, and so the fed would come through and, and have kind of like, you know, the, 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 the B level house shows. But I remember when I was a real little kid, WrestleMania four on March 27th, 1988, they did the thing. So this is when they were still doing closed circuit and they had to rent out theaters. And mm -hmm. you could go, and it was really great because it was like a, it was a crowd experience mm -hmm. while you were watching uh, a pay per view. And and my dad took me as a big surprise, like took me to see WrestleMania four. And my big memory of WrestleMania four, it's the first WrestleMania. See, I think WrestleMania four is an underrated WrestleMania. Like you had one, two, and three. Was it was, was it Trump? Was it a Trump Taj Mahal? It, it, it was the first one at the Trump Plaza. Mm -hmm. So you had our future president there in the front row. Mm -hmm. Well, he's no, no, no longer our future president. He was the future president at that at time. time. At this time, at he's the, time. the past president. Oh uh, man, we're all this, all these timelines. <laughs> according to him, he's the future president. According, right. to, him, right, right, was, right. according to him, he's going to be back, right? And, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, I guess. All right. <laughs> but but um, so so go to WrestleMania four, go to the closer. And my big memory was like, so for three years, we'd had super Hogan centric mm -hmm. WrestleManias. Yeah. Right? So right. WrestleMania one, Rock and Wrestling Connection. You had WrestleMania mm -hmm. two in the cage with Bundy. You had WrestleMania mm -hmm. three, Brother in the Pontiac Silverdome, where right. I lifted up a thousand pound Andre the Giant in front of 200,000 people. <laughs> Whatever it is. It's an embellished story. Right, right, right. right. WrestleMania four was the first WrestleMania that ended without real American mm -hmm. playing. And I mean, we still got Hogan posing. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of like, I was a kid. I didn't really know the graduations. I didn't really know Pomp and Circumstance. But like, uh, I heard it playing over and over again when Savage won uh, the title. Hmm. So fast forward years later when I start hearing it with graduations, I'm like, why are they playing the Macho Man? Uh, I don't know because, that. Because, because it's graduation. Dig it. It's graduation. <laughs> it's the cream of the crop, brother. <laughs> Dig it. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> so. Um. Mental health. Yeah. That's uh that's you you were like so you put your your did you did you want to be a pro wrestler and you put that aside <laughs> to go get an education and do a real thing? I think uh I think I wanted to be a pro wrestler for like a week and my dad kind of <laughs> my dad's you know what kid, let's maybe let's maybe get off that. Yeah. I had plans too. I'm like, oh man. I'm going to wrestle Greg the Hammer Valentine and use his own hold on him, man. I'm going to do it. My dad's like, you know, let's not. Let's do something else. Mm -hmm. you know, when, when I was a kid, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a rock star. In, in, in fact, I started uh, college as, as a music major because uh, mm -hmm. my brilliant idea was that uh, that was how you got girls. Mm -hmm. You know, I figure if, if Billy Joel looking the way Billy Joel looks mm -hmm. can be marrying supermodels. Maybe hmm. that's the way Glenn can marry a supermodel. So, so plural. Uh, let's pluralize that supermodels. 
he claimed well billy joel claims even before he was married to christy brinkley like he claims that that he had a thing with with al mcpherson i'm like you know whatever hope it was it was working for him so uh so that was my plan like once upon a time what what was to be a rock star and, I, and again I, I started college as a a music performance uh major composition minor and when nobody knew because mm -hmm. i was depressed out of my skull okay and I'd yeah. been and I'd been depressed out of my school ever since I was I mean ever since I can remember. Now, when I was a teenager, I started getting into and this is going to get into an area of mutual interest of ours. But I started getting into the self help literature, mm -hmm. and that saved my life. Um, so when college came around and and a man again, I just depressed out of my mind. I was dropping out of school. I spent a couple of years playing piano for money. Like like these, these these places where you stuck to the floor, <laughs> like, like the sticky floor. Like you know, it's a quality piano bar when when you stick to the floor. No, um, there are stick sticky sticky keys, sticky, sticky piano keys. keys. Right. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I played one place um, where the the piano was so shitty. Like, I, I, are we on censored? Can I can I say? No, that you say whatever the heck you want, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be like DX. I'm like, boop. Um, <laughs> we promise we won't say. Burp, burp, burp. Yeah. Like, um, you were up all night. <laughs> all night. <laughs> I, I played one place where um, the, the piano was really crappy, and it was off in the corner. And it had a bunch of cigarette burns on the on the keys. And a bunch of the notes didn't work at all, and I had to figure out how to play around those keys because it doesn't work with every song, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I, so I dropped out and, and, and I was playing piano and I was doing dinner theater and stuff and, 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 and whatever. And I finally came back around to like, you know, how am I going to get out of this funk? And I came back around to the self-help stuff that had helped me years before. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got the idea in my head. I'm like, you know what, this is something worth doing. You know, like this is, this is something that uh, has so profoundly impacted my life. And that's where I started getting interested in guys like, you know, like our mutual friend, James Arthur Ray. Um, and I started to get the idea in my head and, and, and I got into, like, I started being a psych major with the idea of, I'm going to go do the self-help thing. Like, I'm not just uh -huh. going to be a psychologist, uh -huh. but I really want to, uh, to, to have a presence that speaks to people beyond people I'm able to see mm -hmm. myself. Right. So, so that kind of got me into the culture of this whole self-help thing. And, and I'm at the point now where I'm on the board of an organization called Seek Safely. Mm -hmm. which which is all about uh, ethics and accountability in the self-help industry. Because I don't know if you know this, there's some grifters out there. Just uh, a few. Uh, been around been around carnies for like 23 years. <laughs> there, there, very... there's, there's actually a lot of similarity between those worlds, man. Right, right. And, 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 and stand-up comedy. It's, there's the same thing. Promoters promoting the hell out of shit. Big time. Big mm -hmm. time. Right. You know, you know I, 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 I'm joking about how the self-help world and, and, and the pro wrestling world uh, have similarities, but they really are. Like, like there, mm -hmm. there are a lot of really colorful, charismatic, larger-than-life personalities, usually which are – it's the person – like, you know how they say in pro wrestling that your, your ring persona is like you, you turned, turned up, up. Yeah. to 11. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, the self-help world is like that as mm -hmm. well. And if mm -hmm. you kind of start getting into some of these guys' background – Mm -hmm. You can see, well, look, I've created Tony Robbins even says that I created this Tony Robbins guy. Mm -hmm. Like I created this character of, mm -hmm. of, of Tony Robbins. So there really is some over, I mean, I'm sure it's not a coincidence that that world resonated with me. Right. Well, wrestling, wrestling, 
um, speaking, uh, any any of that st- wrestling speaking stand stand up comedy, of course, all of that is show business. That's all. That's all filling the look at me holes of others. Big time. Big <laughs> like time. the person you're listening to, you're listening to them, and it's not helping you as much as it's helping them. Like it, it's a symbiotic relationship. Big time. Big time. Uh, a lot of the the spiel, like if you go into self help Twitter or self help TikTok. And, mm-hmm. and you'll see a lot of these short little videos that these guys do. The skill set involved really is similar to cutting a promo. Mm-hmm. You know, like like it's it's communicating something about who you are and what you have to offer entertainment-wise. They wouldn't uh-huh. call it entertainment. Right. But a big part of why self-help is self-help is that there is this big element of like, you know, look, we consume self in this culture. We consume self-help like it's entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. we get into these, these personalities and their stories and whatever. It's basically cutting a promo. Right. Well, I think like, I've heard the same comparison to battle rap. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, it's cutting, it's cutting promos. It's like, absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, Oh man, I could have avoided filling my bump card up for the last 20 years. <laughs> You know, it's so it's so tragic when I, I'm sure you think the same thing. That that's so tragic when when you see guys come along, people come along, who um, you know they they think they're gonna like they're gonna trade on their ring work, right? And I'm gonna be amazing in the ring, and and they uh, unfortunately kind of neglect that skill set of talking people into the arena because that's really what promoters, right? Yeah. Yeah. So becoming a draw isn't something you get taught somewhere. You have yeah. to learn that out there on the on the road. Like you have yeah. to figure out how to do that, and that's that's too much of something to to like like when you when you even when you started with that that example, you're like, oh, I'm gonna train on the fundamentals, and then I'm gonna just get it. I'm gonna be master, yeah. and I'm gonna. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen to me, dude. Like I thought that yeah, I was, yeah. I didn't, I didn't make a backup plan. I didn't get a college degree. I was like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I decided that when I was 13 years old, right? <laughs> stepped right. into a ring for the first time when I'm 14 years old and I'm still in it at 37. Right. Right. So it's like, it's, it's really like you, you, you have lofty goals. <laughs> You do, but well, well, I think it messes with us. So, so when we're kids, right, and and it's presented as sport, right? Um, because I mean, and at that age, we're we're not like we kind of intuitively get the entertainment piece, the sports entertainment piece. Mm-hmm. But again, it's kind of presented as sports, and I have lots of of thoughts and feelings about the differences between the kind of the the the, the, the kayfabe era versus kind of the post kayfabe era, mm-hmm. right? Because if you look at, at um, I was just thinking of this the other day, like I was looking at some of my old, old wrestling magazines. And if you look at, at the faces of the audience back when there, like it was still kind of a mystery how much of this was pre-planned, like they kind of know something's up, but they're not really, and they're suspending disbelief. Like, oh. <laughs> if you go back and look and, and listen to kind of the old crowd reactions, they're, they're, man, there, there's a difference. There's, there's an electricity there. Oh, that, that, I'm, that I'm not going to say isn't there now. Mm-hmm. It is different. It's, it's just different. Everybody was paying attention. That's why. Yes. Everybody was paying attention. There was absolutely nobody who wasn't 
like not paying attention because there was less things to distract you. We are a, we are a society of distracted folks nonstop. When was the last time you were bored? Right. Like, do you ask that to everybody you ever speak to? When was the last time you were bored? When was the last time you wondered something and then you didn't automatically look in your phone and figure out what the thing was? Like, <laughs> like I, I like, I like, I like at times to be bored. And sometimes I like to be confused about stuff and like challenge myself to not look it up until I've remembered it. And Absolutely. if I, re- once I remember it, then I go, Oh, let me just confirm that I'm right on this. And if I'm wrong on it, at least I didn't cheat right away. <laughs> Right. Well, and, and you see it in kind of the some of the challenges with with the product today. Right. Like, like so. So one of the criticisms of, of the current product is, is that, man, we're seeing the same matches over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reasons for that is we have a, a, essentially a live, essentially a pay-per-view. Like, let's, let's be honest, like a, a three hour live event once upon a time mm-hmm. was a pay-per-view. Right. And we've got that every Monday night. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, God, I'm gonna sound like Jim Cornette. Back in the, the back in the day, <laughs> bam, back in the day, God damn. <laughs> I'm gonna sound like Jim Cornette. But back in the day, like you could spend a year building, for example, mm-hmm. the Mega Powers Explode, right? And 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 you could take like these teeny tiny little steps, like at Survivor Series and at the Royal Rumble, and 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 just you know, nudge that story forward just a little bit. Because you didn't have God, WWE has how many hours? How many live hours of of, of TV to fill there's, every week? There's there's too much, too much to even count. These That's- these stories need time to breathe, mm-hmm. and they don't have that time because I got to fill this TV time. So we wind up with the same matches and 50-50 booking, and 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 it's tough to stay invested. Like it's I, and and it's such a drag too because there's so much talent out there that I want to be invested. But man, do I not want to watch three hours the same match? Sorry, I forgot what I was about to say. But so the 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 part of what I was saying was that part of what I was saying right before you mm-hmm. talked about the same matches every week yeah. was that like the 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 urge nowadays for a scratch to ever like an itch to every scratch right away is the reason the storylines are so like, like start, stop, right. Like on the same day, not, the, not like a build for a year because like people's attention spans are so lit. They're not going to want to care about the story. When not only that, but you're competing with everything else, not just wrestling. You're competing with everything. You're competing with the distraction of everything. You're on your phone. Like you don't need to watch every, like, and if they can show you a clip, like that's what a whole hour of what raw is, is like a whole hour of clips recapping the stuff you just watched. It's like, it so is too. Yeah. And and it feels like (laughs) that might drive enough, enough people away. <laughs> that might drive a lot of people away as much as extending a storyline out. When, when you combine, and, and mind you, I'm a stockholder in WWE. I, 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 I'm invested in their success. Like I, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative. And, and part of that, you know what? It's one of the reasons why I'm frustrated with it. Cause, mm-hmm. cause, cause man, I, I really want them to be successful. <laughs> right. Um, 
But when you think about the fact that that you know, once upon a time, okay, so they had the weekly. I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was a real little kid, we went to one of the times that that the live show that that they that they came and, and did a bunch of television tapings mm-hmm. in Des Moines, and this is back when they would do like a month's worth of TV in one night, and so they would so they would film matches for Saturday night's main events. Like like if you remember the the Saturday night's main events, um, where, where the main event was Hulk Hogan, the Big Boss Man, the Steel Cage, where he suplexed him off the top. That was this card. Like I was there, and um, they would film like again a, a whole month's worth of TV right then, and then the like in dribs and drabs, right? Like like over like it would be unusual for like on one of these weekly shows like primetime wrestling or superstars or whatever it would be unusual for a big thing to happen right maybe once maybe once a month you would get a big thing happening you probably wouldn't get a title change more than once or twice a year mm-hmm. right but you'd get somebody attacking something or, or, or whatnot the fact that they have to burn through so much story now because again they mm-hmm. have so much time to fill like that creates the the environment where man we've got essentially a clip show and by the way it doesn't help that <laughs> we've got this culture of announcers that have to oversell everything and it's right. clear they've got somebody in their ear like, yeah, like they're they're forcing it they're forcing it they're really and the catchphrases oh my god the catchphrases right here one more time sasha banks it's boss time right I, shot every time like it's boss time. dude do you do you have do you ta- do you take a shot every time they say something's the first time ever? Oh, it's the first time ever. <laughs> they say the first time ever for everything. Shades of fill in the blank. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> at least at least now that Taker's retired, we will no longer hear he's the best pure striker in the. <laughs> this, is, this this is an organization where Ronda Rousey wrestled. I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't the best pure striker. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dan Severn or Kem Shamrock would have something to say about me so so <laughs> getting off of pro wrestling i know i know uh, so mental health when you when you when you when you discovered like self-help and yeah. and that stuff like the literature you said you discovered that early what what was the first thing that like spoke to you and gripped you hard oh i can tell you exactly um it's a book it was a book titled um the road less traveled by m scott peck if you ever heard that, it's one of the most famous self-help books ever. And it's so M. Scott Peck was this psychiatrist. He was an old army psychiatrist and he was into some wacky shit. Um, and the road less traveled is, is all about, it famously starts off the first sentence of the road less traveled is life is difficult. And he frames this whole thing as, look, we have to accept that life is hard and we have to figure out ways to handle that instead of denying and disowning and trying to, you know, like pretend that life isn't hard. And I remember picking that up and reading that. And at first I wanted to put the fucking book back on the shelf because I'm like, I, look, I'm in the self-help section. I know life is difficult. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need this guy telling me that, that, that life is, is difficult. But what's, what, what grabbed me about it was this was not a bullshit, um, um, everything is cool, you know, we're, we're going to pretend something is true that it's not. Like, like he was dealing with the real world. Like, like in The Road Less Traveled, Peck talks about how, look, we got to make some sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like you're, you're not going to get out of this without experiencing some pain. How you deal with pain 
is going to make a big, big difference in your quality of life. Mm -hmm. And that really, really spoke to me. Now, now from there, um, I got way into, so this is when I was in high school. I got way into, I mean, the, the, the king of the world at the time was Anthony Robbins. Mm -hmm. At the time uh, he had a, uh, he had just written his second book titled Awaken the Giant Within. Mm -hmm. which I think is probably the best self-help book ever written. It's certain, it's one of the longest. It's one of the most comprehensive. Now that I'm a psychologist, I know it's one of the most problematic. Like I can look at some of the shit that he says in there and I'm like, Ooh, oof. <laughs> I don't know. It was a different time. It's a different, it's a different time. And, and self-help has, has kind of a paradigm that is just to the left of, of the behavioral science, like, like the actual behavioral science, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where our friend James Arthur Ray comes in in the mix too, because he likes to talk about how he has studied psychology and how he has studied you know, kind of all this behavioral science. And then he'll go off and say something that is not supported by the research. And you look at it, you're going, huh, that's, that's really, you studied psychology and you think that, do you, do you? I got way into Tony Robbins. He had a, um, back in the day, he had a, uh, one of this groundbreaking um, um, personal growth program called Personal Power. If you've mm -hmm. ever, ever heard of that, it's, it's, it was a, it was a, a 30 day, but I, I still use elements of this in my own psychotherapy practice today. Like his whole idea is, look, you don't try to improve a bunch of stuff all at once. What you do is you choose one little 1% a day. Mm -hmm. And you do it like day after day after day after day, mm -hmm. and you and you build this foundation. And again, that just blew my mind. What killed me about self help was that you know, look, I was super depressed, and I didn't. I don't want to go to my parents, and I don't want to go to like the school counselor and and, and be like, man, I'm having fantasies and dreams about killing myself. I don't yeah, but that. The, like it, it, when it got when it got to like when I was a kid, yeah, you couldn't say stuff like that without like. Right. Getting, getting like locked away or something. Right. Right. You never, I mean, there's talk about intimidating and overwhelming and, ugh. but self-help kind of offered me like the escape hatch. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. huh, like I can read this stuff and either it works or it doesn't work, but it's something to do other than having to freak everybody out. I can remember once, like when I was a junior in high school, I had this panic attack at school. And I can't, they melted down like they, they, they brought an ambulance. I was so humiliated. Like they brought an ambulance and, I, and I'm in the ambulance, like wheezing like a fish out of water. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's clearly <laughs> not fine. But that kind of taught me my lessons. Like, you know, oh man, like, you know, it's, 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 if you say too much and I know there are people like that, like one of the people ask me like, so I'm a psychologist now. Like, why am I still such an advocate of self-help? Like, why am I on the board of Seek Safely? And why do I still consider it important? Because look, I'm not dumb. I know that there are lots of people who are struggling and who want to improve their lives who are not going to come to me as their first option mm -hmm. because I represent a system. It's got its problems. I don't know if you knew this. Mm -hmm. Mental health delivery system has got its problems. Mm -hmm. bit. So I know a lot of people's first taste of any kind of behavioral intervention, behavioral science intervention is going to come from the self-help world. And, mm -hmm. and so it's really important that, that the resources and the people in it be held to a, be held to a high standard, which is why I give James Arthur Ray shit on Twitter. So the, <laughs> I have to, have to make sure that the point is always made that the people who write self-help books are people. Sure. <laughs> and people are flawed. People are imperfect. You bet. People, people are uh, 
morally compromised sometimes. <laughs> and he says gently, morally compromised. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you got to give not just yourself grace, but you have to give grace. Remember that these are humans. I, yeah. I, I say this like to anybody who I'm talking to who's like deifying somebody. And I'm like, don't yeah, relax, know. relax. They're a person. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm all about grace. Mm. I, I, I do not, as, as James claimed, I do, not, I do not teach forgiveness in all situations. But mm. no, I, I'm all about grace. I think, though, there, there is a, a type of, of person. I mean, we can bring this back to pro wrestling. I, I think there's a type of person who will take advantage of, of others' propensity to extend grace. Because mm -hmm. look, if somebody has contributed positively to your world, dude, I'm, I'm a James, boy, I like his early work, man. There, there's a reason, like, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. Like, when um, I was a fan of his, like, like he was one of my guys, and, mm -hmm. and, and I was a fan of his. When he went to prison, I was bummed. Like, I, I, was, I, I wasn't yet a psychologist, and, and I, I remember thinking, man, this is a real bummer because this was a terrible accident that happened. And, yeah. people, and, and people are going to use this as evidence that the self-help world is a scam. Cause people think that anyway. Right. And I was, and I was bummed. You and, know, it's, and, you know, it's fake, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. God, the parallels are just everywhere. Man. <laughs> it's, it's self-help entertainment. Um, <laughs> No, so I, I was bummed, and, and I remember thinking that. I remember thinking, man, they're going to use this as an excuse to to, to down self help, and and I um, I became I, I became Facebook friends with James mm -hmm. um, when he got out in whenever it was twenty fourteen. It must have been by that time. I was a psychologist. I'd, I'd finished up with graduate school, and I remember I got into psychology because I want to be a self help guy. Mm -hmm. So I'm building my brand at the time, right. and. Um, I messaged him and, and I said, dude, I'm a big fan from, from back in the day. And if, you know, like I know you're struggling to get back on your feet, if there's anything I can do, you know, you're, and, and he messaged me back and he's really cool about it. He, he says, thank you for the support. It's been a rough time. God, dude went to prison. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's, of it's course a rough, it's rough, a rough time. time. I mean, how do you, how do you adjust to being like, mm -hmm. he was probably so successful and so rich and so, like, mm -hmm. like living inside of um, like a like a spoiled cocoon that he put himself inside. You of. bet, you bet. Yeah, he was in a rough spot too. Again, like I, I, I want this super clear. I mean, I have lots of empathy for James, mm -hmm. and and to this day, nothing would make me happier. And, and and I'll say this on your podcast, and I will say this every single time I'm asked about it. Nothing would make me happier. Than, than James <laughs> unblocking me on Twitter, but, but having a real conversation about this. Because here's, here's what I'm going to say is that when James got out of prison, he had a choice about, look, am I going to take a real honest look at what happened here? Because mm -hmm. uh, what you're saying right now about, man, he was in a bubble that he put himself in. That's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. This could have been a real opportunity for him to, to, to really step up and, and say some important things about, about hubris and about ego and, 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 and whatnot. What began to, to, to bother me, though, 
was not only was he kind of right back to his spiel from before the tragedy, um, he was really getting into some some predatory. Like this is what I said to you on Twitter. Like you know, man, like the, like this this is like he reminds me of kind of the old predatory territory guys. Um, like he was really get like a really pushing aggressive marketing techniques and over promising. Like he was like he was saying he was out there saying stuff like, man, if you come to my seminar, I will help you heal and integrate your trauma. Trauma is a serious, serious thing. Like, like you're getting people coming in who are having like really serious, like suicidal symptoms, man. Um, he doesn't have the kind of the kind of training, the kind of experience to, to deal with that. And so that kind of bothered me. And I tried to bring it up to him. Like I tried to be you know, like, dude, maybe let's learn some lessons about hubris. Like maybe let's pull back and maybe let's kind of ground what we have to offer. And again, I'm here thinking about the self-help industry in general. Well, I mean, can I, can I say, and I, and I, yeah, I don't, course. I don't, um, I don't want to, I don't want to take shots at James for sure. Mm. Because I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. I know it. But I'm also a huge fan of uh, appropriate ceremony. I'm yeah. also a, a huge fan of what, uh, like, a, uh, like the that those kind of those kind of sacred ceremonies. You're done. That that that's so, like, why not go to somebody who has, like, I I know people. Who hold those kind of ceremonies? Yeah. I'm I'm not a I'm not a a, a famous person or a rich person, mm -hmm. but uh, I would I would talk to someone like me to help them find connect. These connections are always super super duper important to me. So I always want to go. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, and sure. and that's okay. that's a person who that's a connection that I made with a friend. Let's say you and I made a connection. We're like later on we're gonna have we're gonna have some. Some shit that's like life changing and huge, You're like right. the fact that we made that connection based off of you trolling James Arthur Ray on Twitter. It's a very gentle troll if it was a troll. Yeah, I, did you, I kind of. Yeah, kinda, he, he, he came at me hard though. Like, I, yeah, he's a bitter guy. I, I, you know, it, it, I choked it out of my mouth. I was like trolling. <laughs> I'm a bitter guy who's living in the past. I don't Here's the thing. Okay. I too, hey, I'm a self-help guy. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I'm way into, I mean, like my, like I always tell anybody who asks me about self-help that there's a certain type of self-help person and, and our instinct is let's try it out. Maybe it'll work, right? What you're saying though, and, and again, and I'm not trying to turn this into, like I'm truly not trying to turn this into a thing where I'm, mm -hmm. where I'm just trashing James. It's one thing to be like, hey, I know a guy who knows a guy who might have some ideas that might be helpful. Well, like there's okay. tribes and there's people who could use the sure. money. Yeah. You, you betcha. Uh -huh. There's a difference between that and James, who was, was not trained and who was not qualified, who said he was charging nine grand. Mm -hmm. um, well, pack, packing more people into the thing than any person who knew what they were doing would do. Mm -hmm. um, making it last longer so he could say that his was longer than the, than the natives. Like it said, and here's the thing again, like people make mistakes, man. People make mistakes. They make errors in judgment. Yeah. Had he, had he come out after that and been like, man, I, I let my ego get the better of me. I shouldn't have done that. 
what he's saying is like, ah, accidents, man. What you gonna do? Well, James, like, <laughs> like no. Glenn, let's also let's also factor in a possible influence. Uh, the influence. Uh, let's factor in maybe somebody who's like, hey, you want to hold on to your fortune? Well, yeah. you you know. I, Whoever, whoever really knows what all the factors even are. So, um, well, look, I, I, again, I would love nothing more than, than for James to, to, to have some more nuanced, authentic conversations about this. Cause this is like the conversation we're having mm -hmm. is the conversation he should be having. The, the conversation he wants to have about it is boy, anybody who criticizes me about this is living in the past. But I think anybody who, anybody who, ever has to ha have a conversation where they're accountable yeah. in any way is yeah. always going to go you are just hating on me yeah. you're victimizing me but it, i'm not making this specifically about james i'm just yeah. saying yeah. uh anybody at all you would, bet you would bet would deflect because it's so much easier to deflect when yeah. we talk about self-help a thing i say all the time and i don't know if you've ever heard me say it but i've said it on this podcast a, a million times and if the people who are listening or watching this hear me say it and if you heard me say it a billion times you can hear me say it a billion and one times here it comes the thing about self-help yeah. that, that i'm weirded out about it's not something that upsets me but yeah. it, i think a good amount of people are looking for a magic wand yeah, and bet. they and they just want to fix they you just bet. want something fixed. So in if you go into the bookstore, there's going to be a section that says self-help. There will mm -hmm. be no self-fix section. Yep. So yep. you got to keep doing the work. You got to keep on reading those books. You got to keep not just reading those books, but then applying the things that are in the books in order to take steps to change your life. You bet. Uh, it's not just self-help either, man. Like I mean, it's, it's talk about... You it's can like, talk about mental health. You can talk about spirituality, body image, Oof. your fitness. Absolutely, absolutely. Pro wrestler, pro wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, dysmorphia is like crazy, dude. I I ran into like a friend who was really close friends with me in like eighth grade. Yeah. We were real good pals. He became like really good friends with one of my really good friends, and we didn't really talk all that much, but. Uh, I was with my good friend and we went and visited him and he was like, Oh my God, James, you're in better shape than anybody that we went to school with. Oh yeah. My real name's James, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what's the secret? I, I, I wasn't going to break kayfabe, but you know. <laughs> he was like, what's the secret? And I, in my back of my head, I was like body dysmorphic disorder. <laughs> uh, nice. and, and then I was like, weights, dude, the weight room. That's the trick. Just go to the weights. <laughs> Like you weight train. That's how you do it. You know, for me, uh, that was one of the more interesting parts of that, that Colt Cabana podcast that got CM Punk in so much trouble a couple of years ago. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, so CM Punk went on. No, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Yeah. I know exactly. Don't have to tell me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> like I was here thinking, man, that was huge, but you know, <laughs> no, of course I know. Um, but it was so interesting because not only was it like, first of all, I, I thought it was great where punk was like, ah, I don't want this to be a shoot interview. And <laughs> it turns into a shoot interview, but, um, a part of what he and, and, and Colt 
were talking about was man that the pressure that's involved and man we're going out in front of the entire world every week in our underwear mm-hmm. and 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 there is i mean there's a certain pressure involved and and what's what's interesting about that is like when you think about punk like you don't think about like one of these guys who's like you know he's body. not chris yeah they're he's not chris he's not chris masters right like like they're, like called, they're called body guys right yeah, yeah. yeah. CM punk's never going to be accused of that and one of the things that made um, that that made him so fascinating, like he he's one of my, I mean, I'm from Chicago, you know, he's one of my favorite guys ever. But but like one of the things that made him so fascinating, and what his story so fascinating was that he's not this traditional WWE monster, you know, mm-hmm. aesthetic guy. Um, but even the fact that that even he felt that mm-hmm. is 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 so telling, and and it's a really under discussed thing, and and. Mm-hmm. And um, did you watch? Um, I, I, I'm sure you have. Like, there, there was a documentary out of uh, God, what, what, the, the, the slammed inside indie, indie pro wrestling. You remember this a couple years ago where it was talking about the NWS guys up in. Oh, uh, that would, that would, are we talking about, are we talking about cards of change? I about to say that again. Card subject to change, the NWS. Well, that was a different one. Same, uh-huh. same, same Fed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was this was like a, a TV version of that. Okay. And and it followed a couple of these guys who were trying to, um, like, they produced it for like um, like a History Channel or something. Mm-hmm. And, and it followed a couple of these guys who were trying to break into, uh, or, or you know, like in some cases get back into. And and I'm trying to remember um, what the what the dude's name was. Inferno, Danny Inferno. Like mm-hmm. they were following Danny Inferno, I say, because mm-hmm. he had like a couple years in WWE, got cut, mm-hmm. and he was trying to kind of get back in. Like he was taking indie dates with NWS, and 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 he was like auditioning for Ring of Honor and and and, and whatever. Um, it's very well respected, man. Absolutely, I mean, he's super well respected inside yeah. of the business. That's I, I can totally see that, like, mm-hmm. and you, and you can absolutely see he's got the mind for it. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely, say a super talented guy. Mm-hmm. And and you look at this and you're like, man, like there is this entire culture of like even just on the indies, these guys who put in just the same amount of work to their look and their conditioning and stuff as these guys, you know, mm-hmm. who, are, who are on raw more, week. sometimes more. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it it blows my mind. Like the work ethic and the commitment mm-hmm. and, and and the love of the of the art form just just blows my mind. I think like the thing that I I don't think i talk about enough and i probably should uh the fact that like the the promoters and indie wrestling all that is just taking advantage of how much of marks we are so they'll give you they'll give us nothing like barely anything when i've I've never earned a living off of being a pro wrestler i've always had to work the shittiest jobs I've always had to work my ass off and do a billion other things to try to, to try to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Not, not the, not the delectable, not the delectable course of ends meet. I'm talking about <laughs> keeping the lights on. <laughs> hey, but, but uh, you know, indie, indie, it's like, Oh, some, but some other, some other dick's going to do it for nothing. You know yeah. what I mean? S- because they're such a mark and we're such a mark and the promoters are marks, but like they have power. And really when it comes back to it, they're not trained in the business. They're not so like just somebody 
who's got enough money to run a show can run a show and it's not policed in any way. So those people put on a show and they book their friends and, or they book who will work for cheap to free. Sure. Sure. And we, we fill up our bump cards and, uh, and do damage to our brains. Well, and, and that's the thing that it ties back into to what I was saying is like the, those bumps are, I was going to say, just as real in some cases, depending on the equipment you're working with, it's getting more real than the bumps that you're going to take on national TV on Raw. Right. Um, you know, I mean, who is a Harley Race who says the only thing that's real is the business of the money and the miles? I mean, I mean, that stuff is as real on the Indies more so, taking more damage. Um, and let's be honest you don't have a writing staff mm-hmm. like, like, like you don't have the support of, of these, these slick production packages and, and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So really you got to be way more creative and, and rely on yourself. Absolutely. As mm-hmm. I, not to mention, so you're relying on yourself, not to mention you're getting yourself to these shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing I always worry about is um, I was worried about like, getting a, a, another concussion and not being able oh, to course. drive home safely. Oh, of course. And oh, of course. That, that's, that's a thing that not a whole lot of people have to worry about maybe, yeah. but maybe they do. Well, for most people, it'd be a weird day if they did mm-hmm. like, like, but, but you know, for, for somebody in, in the industry, like it's, it's a Tuesday, right? It's, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Good so out of curiosity, like this is, this is off topic and maybe edit this part out, but, but, um, I, so, I, so what, did I, what did I tell you about it? I'm not going to edit anything. I'm just going to give you the opportunity. <laughs> if this turns out to suck. No, I'm so curious. Um, I don't know if your listeners are interested in this. So, so there, there was that documentary card subject to change and, and, and there's kind of a TV version of it called slammed inside indie pro wrestling. They both dealt with this NWS and, and, and what was his name? Johnny, <laughs> Dapper John, Johnny Falco. Dapper Johnny Falcone. <sighs> I was so <laughs> curious because, like, so after watching those, I, I tried to Google it, and they went belly up. But mm-hmm. I can't. But I couldn't. I, I don't know what happened. Like, you, there, I, you, there's no place where it's just like, here's what happened <laughs> to that promotion. <laughs> Out of curiosity, what happened to that? What happened to those guys? Because they were, because <laughs> they were a thing. Like NWS was a thing. <laughs> Uh, I I'm not qualified to give the exact right answer, yeah, yeah. but I know uh, it had something to do with um, not being able to distribute the money correctly. No, that's maybe. a shock. That's a shock uh, in the indie wrestling world. Uh, but yeah, dude, I worked for I worked for Dapper for years. I, oh, did you? Oh, wow. yeah. I did. I did tons of shows for Dapper. Okay. Like I used to. I used to come. I used to be the 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 I, I don't even want to say I'm a name. I'm not a name anyway, but uh at the, the time you're the, you're, what did I say? You're the man, the myth, the legend. Right. Right. So so I at the time I had just come off of TV. I was in CZW and stuff. So when I left CZW, I would go and do these uh these NWS dates and I would put over ticket sellers. Mm-hmm. So they would they would um sell tickets for dapper and uh he'd give him a match with a real wrestler and that would be me <laughs> nice so, nice I, I i did have i had some some fun times i mean i met some cool ass people and 
Yeah, I mean, as got far some, as as far got as some indie, experience. I mean, as far as indie promotions go, you know, I mean, it seemed as straightforward as any of them, and 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 mm. I was curious, like you know, because clearly they had, you know, they were smooth enough to get yeah, smooth, JB smooth. Um, <laughs> they, 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 were, they were they were smooth smooth enough to get you know a couple documentaries made and could get, kind of get that PR or whatever. But uh, again, if you Google them now, it's like disappeared into the ether. You know what I always think about when when Dapper was like, "Here's a little trade secret: when you tape the flyer on, you push the air bubbles out." That's you, 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 <laughs> like dumb motherfucker. No, you know you don't you don't tell that to my competition. <laughs> It's like, do you want to also tell the competition that like you're not authorized to collect this money legally? Make a documentary about how you're collecting money, even though you're not supposed to be doing that. So, so you might get in some trouble and not have to be not be able to run shows anymore. Ooh, hypothetically, don't, hypothetically. Don't, don't tell my don't tell my competition. You push the air bubbles out. <laughs> Boy, uh, Gina Moore passed a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he just passed like like relatively recently, like in the last. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years. There's yeah. a there's a. You, did you did you watch the card something to change? Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, I talk about I talk about this man every episode of this podcast. So it only makes sense <laughs> for me to talk about. The Nigeria Nightmares. Yes. Remember, remember that team? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. The taller one was one of my closest and dearest friends that I've ever had in my life. Okay. And he's since passed. Mm. But I remember him always saying to me how inspired he was by Gino Moore. And he would say, seeing that fat motherfucker live so long gives me hope. <laughs> gives me hope that i'm gonna be an old fat motherfucker too fair fair <laughs> and 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 gino moore outlived aaron can you believe that shit that's has hashtag goals man like that's... <laughs> so uh, so you were for like czw that's the hardcore stuff like that's the yeah i never did the hardcore stuff at all i mean yeah. i got my start there so i was just a little kid like i i wasn't Okay. I wasn't like a, a big star there or a main eventer or anything. I was just in a jabber tag team. So like, so 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 you weren't getting like like stuff stapled to you like by Necro Butcher and, and no 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 <laughs> like, no, like, like I, in the wrestler the <laughs> yeah I I have a, a pretty funny story about Necro Butcher though oh do tell I might might have told it on here or on the other podcast before but uh, back in the day. Um, so this had to be like 2003 or four, like when he was first in CCW, I was still, I was still like uh, paying my dues. And I, I maybe it was 2001. I was still like paying my dues and still like training at the school and all that stuff. And the ring announcer at the time, his name was Dennis shock. He used to give me the, his clipboard and his pen. And he would walk, he would say, walk around and ask everybody what their weight in hometown is. So, um, I asked a couple of people. I know that the one guy, the one guy was from England and his name was Jody Fleisch. And I remember there's, this is, this is not important to the necro butcher part, but his British accent was so strong that when he was trying to tell me he was from Essex, England, 
I thought he was saying Asics. I was like, like the shoes? Like the like, shoes. Like the shoes. That's right. You're, you're from where they make the shoes? And he was like, and then he just wrote it on the paper. And I was like, all right, I'm a jerk. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. But as as a side note, isn't it great that that when we're kids, like the only like cities or towns that we know in like other countries are, are because we we heard them on like wrestling right. TV. Like right. we, all, we, we all knew like Leeds, England, because the British Bulldogs from right. England. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. So when I went up to Necro to ask him his weight in hometown, he told me his hometown, and then he was like, "I don't know my, I know this had to be like 2001 because we had just started running at the arena." Uh, and Necro was like, I don't know, my weight's about this or whatever. I don't, but I just took, I just took a dump. He's like, <laughs> and then he turned to whoever else was next to him and to me and to the people next to him on the other side. He went, I took a dump at the ECW arena. <laughs> so it had, it had to be, it had to be new. It had to be like his first time at the arena. So it was, it was a brand it's a, new thing. It's a big moment in a performer's life, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So, so coming back to like self-help and personal development yes, and stuff, yes. like, like, so your big influences, like, like, like what stuff has really kind of turned your crank? Um, Napoleon Hill. I think yeah. mo- most, I think mostly what originally got me into it was my mom used to play Abraham Hicks tapes for us when we were kids. Oh, love, love Abraham Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a little bit of that, uh, I don't really jump into a whole lot of that anymore. I mean, I, I still I carry all those things. Sure. I, but I don't read. I don't read the books now because sure. it's like uh, I, I read like wrestling biographies, autobiographies. That's my whole life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Abraham Hicks stuff is is really really foundational. Um, mm-hmm. Like yeah. you know the you know the story about how they kept him out of the secret, right? They cut Abraham Hicks out of the secret. Yeah. So so the first version of the movie version of the secret um, had a lot of Esther and Jerry Hicks in it, oh. um, but they ran into um, um, the, what, what, what most people assume are profit sharing issues. Um, I I figured it was probably about the confusing nature of channeling. Yeah, the, the secret as as a movie <laughs> doesn't really get into kind of the more metaphysical. Actually, well, neither does like I'm sure you've seen what the bleep do we know, which which is kind of a companion movie. To, like they both kind of out at the same time. And what the bleep do we know is is it has a few of the same people in the secret, mm-hmm. but it uh, it kind of deals more with the quantum physics mm-hmm. piece of it, and 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 it has a few people who are work into channeling and it kind of treats the same way it's like we're not going to mention it it gets too mm-hmm. off the subject of the law yeah. of action etc yeah because then people will be like oh that's a that's some weird like then everybody then will then go back to the swindlers someone's yeah. trying to swindle me they're faking yeah. this you know it's fake right <laughs> you know it's fake that's <laughs> fake the thing about Esther and Jerry Hicks, though, is is it's it's so because because I'm I'm kind of I, I have a feeling you're kind of the same way. Like I'm not terribly interested. Like she says she's channeling. Okay, whatever. Like I'm interested in the ideas. Like like mm-hmm. I, I like like yeah, the, there's some the messages are way more important than the method. Yeah, and 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 it's a it's a hook. It's a marketing hook, and and who knows if it's real or not. Again, above my pay grade, don't really care. Um, Show yeah, Esther. 
showbiz, baby. Um, you know, Esther and Jerry Hicks, uh, like their whole spiel was, was kind of based upon, um, the earlier, uh, work of, of a woman named Jane Roberts who had the same thing going on. She called her, um, uh, spirit Seth. And it was kind of the same deal. And they, and they met with Seth and they're like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Well, what always kills me about Esther Hicks <laughs> and I think, and, and Jerry Hicks, I think is, has passed away, but, but, but Esther is still going strong. And, and the thing that always kills me is like, if you ever hear her talk in her normal voice, like she's mm. the most down to earth, you know, like, like she's kind of, I mean, she's kind of a dork, like, like she's, I mean, it's, and then suddenly she, she starts channeling Abraham and she's this Eastern European countess <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's a, but then over the years, if you compare some of the, you know, I, you know, one of two things is happening. Either the Abraham collective that is inhabiting her is fluid and changing. <laughs> like yeah, some spirits left, other spirits came in, who knows? Either that or Abraham is getting sick of this accent because you can see the accent over the years kind of like she's like, do I have to do the whole? Okay, here we go. <laughs> it reminds me, it's you know what it reminds me of is Kofi Kingston. You remember back in the day when Kofi Kingston had like the, the really heavy, and then yeah. at some point he's like, I'm so sick of doing it. Like, can we just say it's I got like, hit in the head or something? It's, it's like Lana, yeah, yes, it's yes, exactly. Uh -huh. Oh, talk about wasted potential, man. Uh -huh. Like, Rusov Day. Oh, <laughs> I guess they can be together again now that that, that Lana is no longer. Uh, Who anyway. knows? But. <laughs> By the time, by the time this episode comes out on all the the podcasting apps, yeah, they might have been together. <laughs> might they might be back together in, in <laughs> AEW? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? What's, what's what's your take on AEW? Are you into it? Um, I love that it exists. Yes, yes. I love I love that it exists, and I absolutely am happy for all the people who get the opportunity to make a living off of wrestling. Yes. It's something I've always dreamed of doing, and if AEW was interested in picking me up, I absolutely would take the opportunity to uh, use that platform because, for sure, I have tons to offer. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm not I'm not going to be a desperate, thirsty bitch, though. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Desperate, thirsty, D DTB. <laughs> Reminds me of ODB back in the TNA days. Right. Give you a DTB. <laughs> right. It's like, but dude, I have I have so much fun with wrestling, and I have like tons of. The thing is, I talk about. I've said this a million times too, but but when I, and I think I think I'm a funny comedian. I think I'm. I think I'm a good actor. Sure. Uh, motivational, motivational speaker. I could be pretty good at that. Sure. Wrestling. I know I'm fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the. It's like I've I've convinced myself that, like I had to, from a very young age. I'm getting this echo real bad. Are you hearing it? I, I'm not hearing the echo. Mm, I'm hearing it real bad. Let me see. That's your, that's your hopes and dreams coming right back at you. All right. Let's see if I can hear it now. All right. I just took my headphones off. Oh, man. That's like that's like Jerry Lawler taking the straps taking down. Taking the straps down. I'm about that's to like hit Kurt, you with that Kurt, angle slam. Kurt Angle taking the straps 
you've got you've got kind of a Roman Reigns thing going on here. Like like you've oh yeah up here you do you've you've got the man bun. You've got the Roman Reigns. Maybe you're part of the family, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, <laughs> well, I I've uh I've taken on. It's funny because like um I did a uh, I did this film set where. Uh, when I was on stage, I was, I was doing the setup for a joke and I was like, can we all agree on something? And I was going to get to what my next point was that we'd all agree on. And as I said, can we all agree on something? Some lady in the audience went that you look like Aquaman. <laughs> and that got a bigger laugh than anything I could have said next. That's quite the compliment. I love that. And I was like, I'll accept it. I will very much accept it. I will take it. Absolutely. Well, gosh darn it! Stop comparing me to funny and handsome men. I need to. I that's really ruining my day. Damn it! God, how about them taking Aquaman, Aquaman, and making him a sex symbol in 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 the new DC movies? That you who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? All right, I like Jason Momoa for sure. Okay. Uh, I. I would say that we have a lot of similarities. Our silly gooseness, I appreciate uh, the 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 hair. Sure, mm -hmm. we have that, and uh, <laughs> I just think that you've been told movie, you're similar. You've been told mostly the mo the the whole movie mostly is not that good. It's <laughs> only good because he's good to look at. Sure, because <laughs> he's because he's, he's a good looking guy. That's why the movie's good. The movie's not really that good, but you're distracted by how handsome he is, and his acting isn't great. God, talk about a lay motif of those of those DC EU movies. Like I, I have such a conflicted relationship with those movies because I grew up on Superman. Like I'm like I can show you here's a little, little bit of show and tell here in my office at home. I've got I've got the superpower Superman mm -hmm. right there. I've got not to be confused with. Actually, this is the superpower Superman. This is the toy biz Superman. Mm -hmm. I, I'm invested in this ecosystem, mm -hmm. and I have such a conflicted relationship with with these 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 new. Yeah, right. The it's like the Bushwhackers. Um, <laughs> but I have such a conflicted relationship with the, with these new movies because my Superman back in the day was Christopher Reeve, and 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 those movies that that Christopher Reeve were in were just so fun and archetypal superman he's the big blue boy scout and and there was and there was fun and adventure to those movies and you know we we had the, the dark knight trilogy which was what it was i mean christopher nolan is always going to make these fascinating complex really narratively dense movies that i don't really consider as part of kind of this new dc phase well but yeah that, that's that's for sure uh that's like a early that's an uh, uh, that predates yeah. the the, the Batfleck is is that version. Yes, but, yes. but Christopher Nolan's uh, and uh, Christian Bale like that was all its own separate it's independent its own, it's its own universe. Dating that it's its, it's, its own universe. It's it's a it's a cop and a cape. I mean it's 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 fascinating. I mean in the, in the way that Christopher Nolan movies tend to be, but. Boy, then we get into Man of Steel, and I was pumped, man. I was like, I am Mr. Superman. I was pumped for Man of Steel. And talk about, I don't know how you feel about it, but talk about a joyless movie-going experience. Hmm. Like, I'm, I'm watching this going, man, this, I, this, this character that I'm watching is, is barely recognizable 
hmm. even even aesthetically, is barely recognizable as 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 Superman and. Uh, and, and and especially at the end where they, we kind of got into the uh, yeah the, the stupid thing that a lot of action movies do where it's like okay it's 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 the end of the movie a big thing is shooting a laser at Earth the stakes are stupidly high that I can't really care about them anymore <laughs> and I'm like oh and I walked out of that movie just going I, just, oh, I need a shower like this is yeah. but then I'm like okay you know it's Superman versus Batman is going to happen I'm like. Come on, it's a Batman movie. It's a Batman. Come on, how can this be bad? How can this be bad? And then you're like, oh my god, <laughs> they they have the same names of their moms. That's what makes that's Martha. what makes it perfect. That's what makes it all come together. <laughs> I'm doing this for this lady. Who? The, how do you the, know my mom? No, that's my mom. <laughs> like. Why what? did you say that name? Why did you say what? A, whose idea was this plot point? This was like a this is like a Vince Russo. I, I can't. Um, and mind you, we're pro wrestling guys, and and we've sat through our chair of dumb shit. Like 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 we will tolerate dumb motives and 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 whatever. But I'm like, why is that Martha? Like, no, <laughs> no. Well, so, I, so I have such I, a conflicted relationship with these movies. I can't I have I, to say I didn't hate Man of Steel. I did yeah. not, but I think for you being such a such a, a diehard Superman guy, you might have been standing a little too close to the elephant on that one. Absolutely, uh, totally. I but, completely can see that. Absolutely. But I would say that uh, all the Russell Crowe stuff was neat. I liked all the, like the Krypton stuff. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked I like all the Zod stuff because I loved Superman too, but yeah. uh, I didn't. <laughs> I recently rewatched Superman too, and it's such like a comedy. They have so much there like is. comedic stuff in it. It's so stupid. Like when they're trying to when they're trying to break out of jail and the the guy <laughs> and the, and the guy's trying to climb up the rope ladder. Like that's all comedic timing. Oh man, man, he just passed away too. Ned Beatty just passed away oh, as, as well. But yeah, it's, think about it. okay. So Superman two, classic, classic, classic. I agree with you. Lots of slapstick. Eh, like like it, it, it's very noticeable where um, you know they they switched over directors right. Like so they had Richard Donner and, right. and right. they switched to Richard Lester, and and you can very much tell. Like you can very much. Um, <laughs> and like and like in the metropolis battle where like add like so you've got the three super villains and they're battling superman it's this great battle sequence and then out of nowhere there's there's this there's this slapstick like the ice cream hits the the the, the woman in the face and the phone booth is going over like, anyway guys toupees going off the thing, the thing we, I, need, I was, we need this we, we need, need this. the comic relief throw it this. in there we need the Gaga. We need the Gaga. Um, I'll tell you what holds up in Superman too, though. Like I, you can tell me if you agree with this or not. The love story there holds up big time. Um, for my money, some of the best uh, acting in a, in a superhero movie is at the very end of, of Superman two, where Lois is heartbroken. Like they know they can't be together. Mm-hmm. And Lois is heartbroken. She goes, dude, I, you expect me to come into work every day knowing that you're Superman. Mm-hmm. And I can't say anything and I can't like, I don't even know. And Superman is Clark is, is, is so conflicted. He's going to pull this, this, this really kind of problematic rapey for, for roofie kiss. 
mm-hmm. that, that he gives her where, where she forgets all this stuff. Like, oh boy, let's maybe not solve all, all the problems that way, Clark. Maybe. It's like, it's like uh, Arrested Development, the forget-me-nots. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> ooh. That's a, but I tell you what, but, but that, that whole sequence though was just heartbreaking. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh man. Like, and yeah. I remember being a kid thinking that too. Like, I remember being a kid like, oh man, that's so sad. They can't be together. Ah. It's, it's a tall drink of Delemonade. That's <laughs> a tall drink of Delemonade, my friend. <laughs> so, rest, okay. So, wrestling, I've got to be all over the map here. Wrestling, you said you're into wrestling. Biographies and autobiographies. Give me, give me a couple that 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 you loved, a couple that you hated. I really liked the first three Chris Jericho books. Okay. Uh, I didn't read the fourth one all the way through because it was not really a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It just didn't didn't follow the same stuff. Um, it was mo- more to be like a motivational book. Like yeah. he wanted to make a self-help book. Like yeah. you're not the guy. Let <laughs> There's a whole bunch of authors who do that. Let them do that. Right. Write your book the way you wrote the last three books. Jer- Jer- Jericho historically has a bit of a problem, like wanting to be things other than he, like an amazing pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? If I never hear about Fozzie again, I'm cool. <laughs> He doesn't need to be writing self-help books. He doesn't need to be trying to be a front man of a band. Or... Excuse, excuse me. Can I be a thirsty, desperate bitch here for a second? Yeah, please. Uh, Chris Jericho is my biggest dream guest on my show. I reached out to his agent once, and she wrote me back saying I wasn't a big enough deal. No <laughs> and, way. For real? Uh-huh. And, oh, then, uh, and then I tweeted something at some point that was like, like somebody wrote, like, why uh, if Jericho is a heel, why are people singing along to his theme song? Mm-hmm. And I said, in an effort to make it seem like the world is still normal, they have people in the audience who are are paid to be there and are participating in it. I know the work. I'm on the other side of the barricade, and. Mm-hmm. He didn't quote that guy's tweet who was shitting on him. He quoted my tweet and he oh. was like, Nobody pay, nobody's paid to sing along. They do it because they're having fun, you stick in the mud. He called me like a dickhead or whatever. And, and, and then and then all his all his fans, like all his like loyal like oh, no. cult. There's a the cult of fans for AEW oh, are yeah. so die hard. You cannot. You cannot criticize what we love because we have it. So it's ours and we love it. So I got nothing, but I don't know anything about wrestling. (laughs) You didn't even look at who I was. It was just that I was a person who said that these are like, I was like, yeah, it does look like fun. Like I wasn't, I wasn't shitting on Jericho by saying these are paid people. Like, like we, we want the branding for the company who's running through a pandemic to continue the same as it was pre-pandemic. Right. So <laughs> then, then his fan, then I was like, look, I was trying to get, I was trying to get the dude on my podcast and his agent told me that I wasn't a big enough deal. And then all his fans were like, you're right. You're not. And then oh. they were like, all his fans were, sh- oh, the, the, his agent was right. And I was like, all right, <laughs> sure. You, you you got you got the 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 inner circle all of them 
Uh huh. Yeah. Coming at you. Well, the the inner circle, <laughs> the, the the term inner circle, yeah. to me, it feels like it doesn't really apply to what that faction is. Uh, the inner circle is kind of an inside term for wrestling, and it's normally like the people who hang around with the Booker and have like a like can bend his ear and have sure, influence sure. on what the show is. Yeah. I don't see that being what his group is. I see that being what the elite is. Right. Like they're the the uh, EVPs of the company. Sure. Uh, these these are talents. These aren't sure. the inner circle. The inner circle is uh, Cody and uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Like that. Yes. And it's, it's misdirection, my friend. Yes, it's, it's, a, little mis- it's a little. <laughs> poke. It's an inside. Well, it's it's the new click. Um, <laughs> no, so the thing about about what I find funny about the story you just shared was that they, they, they're calling you like you you don't know anything about wrestling for having the audacity to suggest that maybe there are plants, <sighs> which is one of the oldest practices in in, in right like like in, and they and they know and they know that like of course they know that so it's like they were they were working damn it like it was like a huge <laughs> how dare you I think it's just. The, the loyalists and I know mean, I appreciate the passion. I truly do. I think oh, it's great. Sure. But, but to go after AEW botches and take their, take their page down. Do you follow that? I, I don't. I it's, don't. It's a fun, it's a fun follow. Okay. But they did get shut down for like some copyright stuff a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, now. well, you got to think that, that the, 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 core fan base of of aew like if you think of who they are um you know they're they're you know guys who are i mean who have felt for for such a long time really disaffected needed to be an alternative to what wwe was putting out and 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 they got really hopeful for a minute in like the 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 early to mid 2000s with tna and then that Mm -hmm. kind of fizzled out and and whatever so like I, I, I think you know, fans of that temperament are really ripe to be kind of cult-like, mm-hmm. fanatical for us. So I mean, I and and as you said, like I'm, I'm so glad that the 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 organization exists, and I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, you know, like I, I'm glad that there's, you know, that there's a place where where someone like like there, there's no reason why someone like Big Show should not be earning a living, or Mark Henry, or or or, um, you know. Is that his real name, Mark Henry? That's the Big Show's real name. No, I was talking about Mark. Like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I was just, I was just playing dumb for a second. Mark, <laughs> Mark, get it, Mark? Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's that's my father's name. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. <clears throat> but yeah, dude, yeah. I think th- there is value in all of AEW. Yeah. But there's not going to be much value if they continue to squander and lose audience members. If they're not attracting mm. new audience, like they have the means. It's a billion dollar company. They have all the means to yeah. build things the correct way and all that stuff. And they're 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 pandering to the audience that's a cult for them. Sure. And their cult isn't even over a million. And I huh? wish it was. I really wish it was. I wish them the most success. And I, I, I just, I feel like they're going to be 
another option on Peacock soon. <laughs> keep up the way they're going. God, that transition, speaking of, like I know we're all over the map here, but, mm. but, but man, speaking of that transition from WWE Network to transferring their content all over to Peacock has been such a disaster. I don't know how you feel about it, but but I feel it's been such a disaster. Um, Do you know, uh, admittedly, mm. I don't care. <laughs> like I, I haven't, I haven't like searched anything out. Uh, and I, I feel like there's so much mm. content that you can watch anywhere. That's anything that like, doesn't bother me that I can't watch uh, the the DX Nation of Domination segment. It doesn't bother think, me at all. I don't think that should bother anybody to not to not right. see those particular moments. But uh, now the the big problems were so when they transferred. I don't know if this is still the case because God, I mean, this is telling that that I haven't tried to look it up in, in a few weeks. But um, now when they first moved everything over. Um, I'm like, all right, so it's going to be a section on Peacock and, 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 and I signed up and I'm like, well, I tried to search for my, you know, for, for stuff and, and I messaged them on Twitter. I'm like, there's no search. Like, like, like all my, like, am I doing something wrong? Like, like, like all my searches are returning or nothing. And they say, oh no, you won't be able to search for individual wrestlers or events. And I'm like, what's the, <laughs> like, this is a, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a basic piece of functionality, but, but the other thing is like, so if, if you're watching those old retro shows, cause you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm essentially an eighties, nineties guy and, and I'm always going to be like, like one thing that I really like to do is like, like put it on, like put on an old paper or something when I'm falling asleep. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever they've inserted NBC commercial, they've sold ad time in old events. So mm -hmm. if you're like watching WrestleMania three, you're going to get interrupted um, by an ad for Geico insurance, mm. which not only, I mean, I, I thought I you were going to say like a, a ad, ad for parks and rec or something like other NBC. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure yeah. that's also a thing. And it's, but again, not only does it kind of mess with the historic historicity, historicity, the, the historical, uh, historical nature, I guess. Of, of, of the broadcast, which is important because when you have people watching the Andre the Giant documentary and Hulk Hogan is waxing poetic about lifting the 8,000-pound Andre in front of the 800,000 people in Pontiac Silverdome mm -hmm. and they go to Peacock to watch that, you know, I mean, we, we know we're getting altered versions of these events anyway because Vince is always messing with the, with the music and then... Mm -hmm. and, and, Remember there was that there's that period where they were in the copyright dispute with with, with the World Wildlife Foundation. Mm -hmm. And so they had to blur out WWF everywhere. And so you <laughs> and so you couldn't watch like the attitude area when the scratch logo was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like you like you you felt like you're going insane trying to watch these matches. Like, like you were kind of watching an episode of Cops. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so that those are my big problems with the thing. Come back to um, come back to uh, um, wrestling autobiographies. Where where do you stand on Mick Foley's body of work? Oh, it's it's great. The first book is the best book ever. Yes. Um, uh, I didn't read any of the other ones. I I think there was a there was a sale at Big Lots where <laughs> his countdown to lockdown book was three dollars, and four people gave it to me. So I. <laughs> So I guess I should have read it at some point, but I for sure didn't. 
I, I agree with you that that have a nice day is 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 probably it's probably one of the best wrestling books ever written. Um, I, I liked the first Shawn Michaels book, The Heartbreak and Triumph. Yes, that's yeah. the one where he's on the ladder in the front, yeah, yeah. front cover. Uh, yeah. And then the the second Shawn Michaels book, I hated. <laughs> I, I didn't even know there was a second one. So oh, that's it's it's very it's very. Uh, Jesus, this Moses, that. Oh, that. he went, he went, he went Vince Russo on us. Yeah. <laughs> when I said Jesus, this Moses, that, it was a, a reference to, to little Nikki and not my opinions on Christ and such. No, of course, of course, of course. But, um, but, um, the other books might, uh, I, I love William Regal's book. Uh, one of my one of my favorite my, one of my favorite books. I don't want to say I don't even want to classify it by saying one of my favorite wrestling books. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. So I don't even remember what it was called, but it, it was really really good. I have a couple that I haven't read. I recently just read the Edge book, mm-hmm. Adam Copeland on Edge oh, yes. from two thousand four. Yeah. Uh, and. I I think I'm either going to start next on the Roddy Piper book or the Dusty Rhodes book. Okay. Um, and I have the the Dustin Rhodes book as well, mm-hmm. but uh, I have not read that yet. You know, it, it's so interesting. I remember I, I I read Adam Copeland on Edge years and years ago, like like around the time that it came out, mm-hmm. and and I just remember thinking that man. He had essentially a, a whole career after that. Yeah, that it's yeah. that it's really hard to even think of, of that as the same as the same performer. Right. Um, as soon as I finished reading it, at yeah. the very end of the book, he went, "There's going to be another one of these," and I was like, "There wasn't." <laughs> and, I then I, and then I tweeted, and I was I tweeted at him, and I was like, "You said there was going to be a second book. When's the second book?" Mm-hmm. Fascinating performer, fascinating guy. Mm-hmm. Really, really like like for my money, some of the best kind of I, I say modern. There's more than ten years ago now, but you know some of the best. Uh, no, but like that match that he hit with Orton, the greatest match. That was, <laughs> that was so good. I love I love that marketing. By the way, like let's right, yeah. let's, let's 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 raise the bar. Let's raise the expectation. Let's, right. What right. are you doing? <laughs> But I really, was, I I thought Edge's uh, like like mid two thousand stuff with Cena was was really really well done, mm-hmm. um, like like around the river, like I'll, I'll I'll do a hot take here. I'll do a, a hot take controversial opinion right here on on the evolving with Corey Castle podcast. If you're ready for this blazing hot take, I did not mind the mid two thousands WWE ECW experiment. I thought that was a perfectly reasonable experiment. Like, like, I think it was going to have issues. Of course it was going to have issues. Mm-hmm. That said, I think it represented a, a perfectly reasonable attempt to try something new. I really mm-hmm. liked how they, how they used Rob Van Dam. Like, like I, I thought there were so many, I thought it was a really interesting way to deal punk into the main roster. Like so many interesting things happened around that era. And one of the interesting things was you had kind of this, this triangle going on where they were trading the world title be- or the, the WWE title between, Rob Van Dam and Cena and Edge, mm-hmm. and you had Edge with his rated R spinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. right. 
and the the live sex celebration. You remember this? The live yeah. sex celebration with. Uh -huh. <laughs> like that's just um, like the, the the guys on the OSW review podcast. Like like they 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 would say it's pure bollocks, and I love it. Like like <laughs> it's just. just no, Edge Ed is a good performer, and, and and his his book was pretty good. I tell you, as far as 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 wrestling books go, so you got the biographies, and 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 of the biographies, you got the, those first two Mick Foley books. Boy, I I kind of start to 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 lose the plot with I I think it was the third one was the Hardcore Diaries. Fo Foley uh, is good was the second one, right? So Foley is good was pretty good. Like I liked Have a Nice Day. I liked Foley is good. I really liked the like so in, in Foley is good. He talks a lot about the conflict with like the PT the the, the PTA people and and I thought that was a really good nuanced discussion of of censorship and stuff like in pro wrestling. I like, take a really objective look at that. And then there's the hardcore diaries where it's like uh, okay he's starting to feel a little repetitive. And 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 you begin to notice this theme of like like this is like when Mick Foley was really beginning to be Mick Foley, cute cuddly bear kind of post hardcore icon Mick Foley, mm -hmm. and he starts talking about like all the charity work that he's doing, and and, and so I was like, okay, Mick, you're you're starting to, yeah. And then uh, I started. I don't even know if I finished Countdown to Lockdown. Like like I I know I got. It. In fact, I probably got it at the bargain, mm -hmm. <laughs> at the bargain it's table. Three dollars a big loss, bro. <laughs> And it's such a drag because the TNA story is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Like it yeah. is a fascinating story. Like, like even like I haven't listened to Jarrett's new podcast because fuck Jarrett. I can't, ugh, what do you, what do you do with Jeff Jarrett? But it's an interesting story of Jarrett holds up Vince a couple times for money, <laughs> uses that as seed money, supposedly as, as seed money to establish what looks to be maybe a competitor to Vince in the space. And the early days of TNA were such an interesting time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, like it, you had this question of like, okay, if you're going like AEW is kind of in a different position because they've got all that money, they've got the con money, et cetera. But TNA was in this really interesting position of like, okay, how do you compete with WWE? You do weekly pay-per-views. No one's ever done that before, right? You had all of this really good, I mean, talent, like like this, you know, you got Christopher Daniels and 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 Samoa Joe and kind of these, these, you know, the, the X division or whatever. It was so different and so interesting. And to see how <laughs> like I remember in two thousand where was 2009 that they signed Hogan. And, and and they changed the rings to like they went from the octagon to or the, right. the, the the six sides to the because 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 God forbid Hulk work in anything other than a four sided ring right. and, and, right. and and whatever and, and I remember being just kind of heartbroken. I'm like, oh, you guys had something. You had something for a minute. Do hmm. that for another ten years. Build it slow. So the TNA story is really interesting. And so I was I was disappointed that that uh, countdown to lockdown kind of wasn't more wasn't more interesting but I um i didn't even try to start it you didn't even try to start it i didn't even try to start it oh mick have you have you ever met mick foley no no never met mick foley i but, i i met him at a book signing once mm -hmm. and and it's like he he was promoting um his his non-wrestling book it was a fiction book called Tedum brown that that he had written this this fiction and 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 he was he, like he read an excerpt and the excerpt had it included a, a scene of fellatio. Mm. And he thought he was going to be all cute by saying, now I'm not going to say what she's sucking on, but every time I say toe, 
know that it means the other thing. Mm-hmm. And it was so Mick Foley, like it was just so, so she took his toe and like, Mick, you're, it's one of these things where, where you know, his, his stand-up career was kind of so legendarily mixed. that you're like, oh, it's Mick, it's, you're funny as a wrestler. Can't we let that be where you're funny? Can't we just let that be? Um, no. I, uh, um, I'll be right back. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the stage for just one sec here. All right. All right. So for, so for a few minutes, this is the evolving podcast with Dr. Glenn Doyle. Corey is, uh, Corey's off doing a thing. So, so viewers and listeners, this is just you and me for just a few minutes. And we can kind of continue talking about, uh, about excellent wrestling books. I can recommend The Death of WCW by, uh, by, by uh, Brian Alvarez. Excellent book. Excellent. Kind of an odyssey of, of fuckery. How, how uh, an organization has it all and then just falls apart. There are people probably watching this podcast who are used to me talking about psychology and self-help and mental health. And now we've been talking about pro wrestling for like an hour and a half. And you're probably wondering, how is the doc? I mean, how is this a thing? And I would just tell you the doc is, 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 has, has many dimensions. There, there, there are many facets to Dr. Glenn Doyle. I don't just have to talk about mental health or self-help. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we talk about pro wrestling for an hour and a half. It's okay. We can we can let ourselves be complex. I can also take this opportunity to uh, to encourage everybody watching to uh, check out Seek Safely Inc. That is the organization that I'm on the board of, where we uh, we are kind of a watchdog for the self help industry. We're we're very into accountability and ethics in the self help industry. We really kind of want to get the self-help industry away from kind of the grifters and the carnies. And by the way, isn't that the best word, carny? It's an excellent way. It's, it's, it's an excellent word. K- Kazarni. <laughs> Anybody remember Kazarni? Yeah, dude. It's in Bodhi. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to get to kind of the portion where I'm going to uh, just uh, – before I get into the whole details of it, I just want to yeah. uh, make sure I convey to you how welcome you are on the show and how awesome it is that we're doing this. Um, the part of the reason, and and, and I, I've probably said it so many times on the show, but what's very important to me is that I have the kind of conversations on the record with people that not only will it be on the record like right now, but it'll be on the record in 45, 50 years. Like this is going to outlive us both. So uh, I wanted to make sure I had a lot of people on who I could make sure I told them important things that applied to them specifically. Like when I, I had my mom on and I talked to her about, you know, how grateful I was that she, she sacrificed her entire life to make sure me and my siblings were happy. Yeah. And she did everything she could to make sure our lives were the best they could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to have that on the record so that, you know, 
one day when I, I don't have her to say that to her, I can go back and listen to the moments when she said it back to me. But in the beginning of me doing the podcast, I remember my mom had told me that she had saved these voicemails. Yeah, yeah. She had saved these voicemails onto CDs, one from her mom and one from her best friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was like, you know how when like people die, you forget what their voice sounds like? And I was like, oh, man, I don't want that to happen. Right. I don't want that to happen. So on the record, I want to be able to have these conversations with people where, you know, when this outlives me, you can go back and listen to it. Or if it outlives you, I can go back and listen to it. Make yeah. sure I hear a thing on the record where I told you how valuable it is and how absolutely inspired I was by the fact that you, you dude, I hadn't done a podcast. I hadn't recorded an episode in three weeks and you kind of lit a fire under me. And I was like, all right, I got to get there and got to do this. Like I, it's I'm, I'm excited. And I wanted to say how cool it is that we can have this conversation on the record and how appreciative I am of the, you paying me the currency of your effort and your attention because dude, like that's more valuable than money. Sure. It really is because like we could, we could be distracted by everything all day and never focus on having a conversation with somebody like where you might learn or grow or maybe teach or love more. Like, and it goes goes to when I said earlier, like, oh, what if our like our resource causes us and let's say we accomplish something really big together. If that happens, great. But if it doesn't and we never speak again, I at least want to tell you how important it is and how valuable it is to me that on the record you decided to come and have a cool chat with me. Yeah, man. I, I'm glad that we're friends now. I want to make sure I say that so that I can now flip that around and give you the opportunity <laughs> to say or ask me anything you want to say or ask me. I'll, I'll tell you something that, that I find really, really cool and, and really, really special. So the reason why I found you was because, of course, I was searching for mentions of, of James Arthur Ray. And, and the reason I do that is, is, is because of the, you know, again, seek safely and, and we, we keep an eye on, on some of these figures in the self-help industry that, that are kind of, that, that we view are kind of grifting and, and we try to do some education. And when I reached out to you, cause, cause you had said that, that James was, you know, you had said kind of a dream guest for your podcast. And I used that as an opportunity to be like, huh? What what makes him a dream guest? Mm -hmm. And let's talk about kind of what um, you know what you know, we could talk about credentials, we could talk about qualifications, whatever. Something that I find awesome is that instead of kind of immediate, like it would have been really easy for you to be like, man, this guy is a hero of mine, and I'm not going to tolerate you know, somebody I don't even know this, this doctor, this psychologist, I'm not even, I'm not going to tolerate this guy coming in and knocking on my guy. Mm -hmm. It would have been really easy. And in fact, here you are trying to get James on your podcast. That would have made a lot of sense for you to, to try and get in his good graces by doing that. Mm -hmm. You didn't do that. You gave me an honest answer to, 
to that question and you were non-defensive and and what what really you know struck me about that is like you are exactly the the type of guy that me and seek safely are looking to influence i did not even influence but but kind of open up to you know some of these ideas not just about james arthur ray but you're also a guy who's interested in personal development you know you're a napoleon hill guy from from way back yeah, you know, you can have a conversation about some of these self-help concepts. Like you're the kind of guy who it's really important for us to connect with. Because again, you're not in the industry. You're not like buried in it. You're not, you know, it would have been really, really easy for you to just kind of blow it off. But you were really interested in in connecting and check check out how quickly we made this happen. You were like, dude, you want to come? You know, you want to chat on Tuesday. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. here we are. And, and we've had a conversation, you know, like whatever, we've, talk about wrestling we could talk about movies and, and and whatever this kind of connection is the kind of thing that creates what we psychologists call quality of life so i get a lot of guys um like so one of these subspecialties that i that i do as as a therapist you know i work with with men specifically um and and sometimes they come to me because they're struggling you know like like a lot of times it brings them in it's like man i'm, I'm having trouble in my romantic life, right? Like, like I can't establish relationships or, you know, I need to work on my social skills or like whatever. I need a girlfriend, help me, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I get guys coming in, um, you know, men famously kind of have this conflicted relationship with seeking help. Mm -hmm. And so there are lots of, of ways somebody might find their way into my office. But Almost always what I tell these guys is, you know, look, I, yeah, I can help you with your specific thing. I can help you, you know, be a better romantic partner or like whatever it is. But what we're really looking to do is create quality of life. And how do we do that? We do that by having things that we're interested in and passionate about. And, and, you know, they don't always have to be your life work, but just things that really, you know, rev your motor and things that you like connecting with people about. Like here we've been talking God, now almost two hours about stuff that, you know, it's it's not that, look, I'm not in the pro wrestling industry, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. and I never will be, but, you know, there are things that, that, that we are interested in and that we have, you know, thoughts and feelings and passion about. And it's been super, super fun. This is the kind of thing that creates quality of life, you know, making these connections and having these conversations. So that's something I really value about, about, you know, you kind of what you're doing here, man, if you go, so one of the things you said to me was like, you know, do, do me a favor. Like before we did this, you mm -hmm. said, well, do me a favor and go back and take a look at some of the old episodes. So you kind of have a, a feel for what the vibe of, uh, of the show is. And, you know, here, and, and I'm here thinking, okay, so, you know, he's a guy, he's in the entertainment industry. You know, he's probably going to talk, you know, it's probably going to be pop culture and, and, and movies and, you know, wrestling and, and whatever. I find myself, you know, like like down the rabbit hole, like like you're talking with uh, uh, Bethany, was that her name? You're, like you're talking, like oh yeah, this is what prison was like, and 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 this is how you know I saved my life, and this is how I stay sober, and 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 you know here's here's some you know, difficulties with the twelve step stuff, and I'm like man, this is. You're helping create quality of life. That's something I respect. That's that that's something I, I I respect and admire and and I'm so glad that Twitter like think about the fact that you know like Twitter doesn't exist we don't meet right well thank you thank you very much yeah I, I will accept I will accept that that compliment uh, and will accept the respect I appreciate it 
I cool. want to I want to uh, make sure to acknowledge that I believe that we deserve a quality of life. Yes. And that most individuals don't know that they have to believe that they deserve something. Yeah. And I kind of want that in the f the final message of everything I ever do to yeah. go, you got everything you believed you deserved. So mm -hmm. believe you deserve better than what you already believe you deserve. Sure. So for sure, I want that to be the the my maybe it's the reason i'm on the planet you know that's i feel like that's like the thing that lights my fire more than anything is to 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 get a message to people that like grow yeah. grow yeah. enjoy be joy be love so so i'm sure you've heard the the, the term self-esteem mm -hmm. right the, the guy who who came up with the the term self-esteem I, I don't know if he came up with it the guy the, one of the first psychologists who really had a theory of self-esteem was a guy by the name of dr nathaniel brandon and his version of self-esteem had two components um both of which have to be in place for for you to have an experience of high self-esteem one component was I believe I am competent at life. I can do things. Like I'm up to whatever life throws at me. Uh, we call that self-efficacy. But the other component was uh, this idea of, I believe I am worthy of good things happening to me. It's amazing how many people are walking around out there truly thinking that, that they don't deserve good things or that they deserve bad things. You know, there, there are people walking around out there with a sense of not guilt, but shame. Mm -hmm. Like they think because of who they are or, or, or you know, like things that have happened in their past yeah, that, they, 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 that, that they've got this shame kind of cling to and they don't deserve, they don't deserve that quality of life. That's a learned programming that, big time. that needs big to be time. deprogrammed. Oh, big time. And it sucks because for so many people, it, it, they don't know where it came from. Right. Like, 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 like for, for so many people, it's like, they, we don't understand that, man, we were programmed with this stuff. Mm -hmm. So what, so what happens from a developmental psychology point of view, not to get too down the rabbit hole in this, but no, get all the way down the rabbit hole, get, pull those rabbits up, pull those rabbits up <laughs> from a developmental psychology standpoint. What happens is when we're kids, we have what's like, so when we're real because we're infants, we have what Freud called um, infantile egotism. And, and what that means is, uh, or, or infantile narcissism. What it means is when we're real, real little kids, we don't have the, the, the mental machinery to be like, okay, everything is not my fault. We think the world revolves around us. Like Freud and, and the people who came after Freud, like, like literally talked about how, like when the infant, <laughs> this is gonna sound strange, when, when the infant is in the crib, and mom's boob comes down to feed the kid. Freud talked about how, man, the kid thinks that he's God because he made that boob appear out of the sky. And then sometimes when, when the boob doesn't come, right, the kid is crying, the kid is hungry, he can't make the boob appear. That's the, you know, Freud thought that that's the, the beginnings of, of some you know, forms of, you know, what he, he called paranoid schizoid depression, but depression basically. 
that that man we get it in our in, in our head that what did i do wrong that i didn't deserve the the boob to come out of the sky to feed me mm-hmm. when we're little kids not not that little but when we start to grow up we have trouble like we still think everything is about us we think if if we were abused it's about us mm-hmm. we think if we were neglected it's about us we think that if if a parent like if our parents get divorced and one parent leaves, then then that must be about us. Because again, like like we're not really equipped psychologically to know that. Look, there's stuff that's going on with them that has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Now, good parenting, hopefully, um, it helps you understand that. Look, it's not all about you, but both in a good sense and a bad sense. That both you know there are people other than you in the world. But but you're also not the cause of all the bad stuff, right? right. And that's a that's a that's a psychological process we call scaffolding. Like 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 uh, parents are supposed to support kids like a scaffold in, in in learning that that look this is not all about you. It's okay, you know. Like you're going to have some losses. It's not the end of the world, and it's not your fault, right? A lot of us don't get that good consistent parenting, so we grow up with this sense of like like there are people walking around our age. I'm 44. There are people walking around my age who, who are like, man. I, I feel like it's all about me. Like, like I feel like if I get left in a relationship, it's clearly all about me. It can't be that they have stuff going on. There are people who think that if I get turned down for a job, what the, what did I do to like? It, it can't be that that you know they, they have all the people they need, or your your experience isn't a good match, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it really you're you're right insofar as it's a program that we run, and as we know from NLP, you know, like we run a program until it gets interrupted. Mm-hmm. We, we, we play a record until it gets scratched. And that's really where my job comes in. <clears throat> I scratch records all day long. You know, people, people who have the shitty record of how I suck, how I can't do things, I'm not worthy, et cetera, et cetera. We scratch it, we scratch it, we scratch it, we scratch it. I, I, think, I think there's a pattern of reaction. People mm-hmm. live in a world of reaction. They, the world happens, they react. The world mm-hmm. happens, they react. So if the world happens... And it keeps happening at them in a way that they're becoming a victim. They believe that they must deserve to be a victim. I, I, that's what I think. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a pro. I, I'm not trained. Don't, don't, uh, don't give me your money. <laughs> don't give me your money to diagnose you. <laughs> <laughs> who, who needs therapy? I listen to the, 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 the evolving podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Number don't. two, four, six. But, but, um, when it did, when it did come back to, uh, I mean, I for sure believe that instead of being the, the observer, being the observer of your life, being a deliberate creator in your life is, is dependent on how you see it. So if you are used to having the reaction, this, uh, of course, or, oh, my luck then it's going to continue to be that way. But if you go like, oh, well, I've got the power to get me out of this. I got the, I got, I got the power to make this life better. Then, then stick your, stick your heels into the ground for a better life. Yeah. Well, the, the real trick of what you're talking about, is is getting very realistic about you know like you're talking about the 12-step tradition like there, there there's a prayer in the 12-step tradition and you have a serenity prayer about what we can and cannot change mm-hmm. and we have I to get I, I forget it's we have to have the serenity to accept the things we cannot change 
the courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. And it's that wisdom to know the difference that's really crucial. Like, so for example, <laughs> can, if, can I really, really quickly admit yeah. something to you, Glenn? Yeah. I didn't forget. I just wanted you to say it so that I could talk about the strength in that wisdom. And there you, you started talking about the strength in that wisdom before I got a chance to, <laughs> to, to run in on what the bit was. But go ahead. Continue what you were saying. Man, we, we, we hot shot the angle. Damn yeah, it. Dude, buried the lead on that one. Buried the lead. So here's the thing that and, – and this is a problem in, in the self-help world because you get a lot of people who are like, you know, look, you get out of that victim mentality. You have the you have the power to change life. Yes, but we have to be realistic about at any given time in our life, there is a percentage of stuff that we can influence, and and a percentage of stuff that we just can't. Right, mm -hmm. and and we're not doing anyone a favor. And this is one of the problems I have with James. Like like he he will always err on the side of you have one hundred percent influence. Mm -hmm. And it just ain't so. And 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 if we tell people that's so, right. And and if we tell people that's so, and this is frankly, it's one of the problems with kind of the whole law of attraction. But that if we tell someone, look, you are one hundred percent responsible for the world that you create, you're going to get people saying, "Man, I must really suck because I don't seem to be able to control the fact that I was abused, or I don't seem to be able to control the fact that I have this genetic thing, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. A realistic way of creating quality of life is saying, look, I don't know what percentage, and it changes, right? Like, I don't know what percentage of wiggle room I have today. I'm going to start from, can I change things by 1%? Like, I call my people the one percenters. Because I'm like, look, I want you today focused on the 1% you're going to change. Now, if you can change more than that, fantastic, and let's go for it. But only focus on that 1%. Because realistically, can you change 1% even by changing your mindset, even by changing, you know, whatever, like how you talk to yourself? Yeah, you, you probably have 1% of wiggle room at least. Let's see how high we can take that number, right? And that's, again, it's, it's such a bitch because like the, the law of attraction guys, I, I, I totally like, you know, like Joe, uh, Joe Vital and I follow each other on Twitter. And, 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 and I, I, I feel that they're so well-intentioned. Like they really want to empower people. Mm -hmm. That's, boy, that's the, the the priest guy, right? He, he had like a, a a collar shirt on or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he always with beads. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. The secret uh -huh. he does. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And again, I, I mean, I, I feel that that the intention is so good, and and they and they're so passionate about about empowering people. Mm -hmm. But but we got to be realistic about this. And, and and I say that, and people are like, oh man, that's defeatist. <laughs> like, well, it's, you know, it, it, you're not doing anybody any favors when you say, okay, look, you had, you know, you have these genetic disadvantages, you had an abuse uh, history, et cetera, et cetera. But you somehow created that, like, whew, that's a rough, that's a rough sell. It's a rough yeah. sell. Yeah. I, I, I do get, like, was he the one who was like, I'm a little, I'm here to be a little in your face to be like, yeah. you created that. Right. I, I, I get I get I get that, yeah, yeah. but I I think for sure that is a tool. That is yeah. a a tool, not a tool. Yeah. So it's it's like you're 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 at this point mm -hmm. aware that you have the power. That's what he's. 
I think that that's what that tool is used for. Sure. Uh, but uh, it it it's uh, it's hard to it's hard to then be accountable. Because why are you accountable to this 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 chain that needs to be broken that you don't know that you're supposed to be breaking it? Right, right. That, and in fact, that's a really good metaphor. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. You can use it. Use it. <laughs> you, you know, when, when you think about, um, like, I'm such a big believer um, in so many of these self help tools, and and I consider law of attraction kind of a subset of kind of the broader self help phenomenon, but. Like even if they're not perfect from a mental health point of view, like I'm, I'm such a big believer in in using these tools for what they can offer. So, for example, the the law of attraction guys are are very big on visualization. They're very big on that, and they would say that by visualizing, you're you're altering the structure of reality on kind of this quantum physics level, and that's all above my pay grade. I, I whatever. I I. I don't want to interrupt you. I, I don't want to throw you off, but I will well, interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. But but it, that, to me, I always looked at that as like, as Napoleon Hill would talk about, take the thoughts from your conscious mind and turn them into the thoughts in your subconscious mind. Sure. So that's the way I had I had interpreted that. But uh, continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So here's the thing. Like, if you take that at face value. Mm-hmm. And, and if you say, look, I'm going to create the world by what I visualize. And you're visualizing success, happiness, et cetera, et cetera. It absolutely is the case that we will psychologically respond to what we visualize. In fact, that there's a lot of really robust research about how our brain can't really tell the difference between something that is vividly imagined and 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 something that's uh, actually happened. In fact, it's become a real problem as as movies have gotten more immersive and and the effects have gotten better, et cetera, et cetera. Like like from a neuropsychological point of view, it's 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 really turned into a problem that you know, man, people with complex trauma histories are are going into you know saving Private Ryan, and and the experience is so immersive and so real and 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 whatever it's, it's actually creating more problems because again our brain is not great at distinguishing between things that we're imagining really vividly and, and things that are actually happening. Yeah. Here's the thing though you can use visualization as a tool like if you visualize again and again and again and like it depends on what you visualize. If you visualize okay I I want gold coins to rain down from the sky. I want to be Scrooge McDuck. I'm going to go swimming in those gold coins. I want to be like Mario. I want, I want to be able to <laughs> break bricks and get coins, mm-hmm. right? It's unlikely that gold coins are going to rain. Down. I'm not going to say impossible because I don't know. It's unlikely that gold coins. Now check it out. There's a difference between visualizing that Versus visualizing, look, I'm going to visualize when a stressor comes across my path today. I'm going to visualize responding to that stressor, cool, calm, collected, and values focused. And I'm going to like like visualize that over and over and over again, because again, your brain that that's it's what we call mental rehearsal, and your brain is going to get into that groove. It's it's an actual physiological thing in your brain that connection of like stressor, cool, calm, and collected. Stressor, cool, calm, and collected. That stuff is amazing. 
So again, it's the same tool, the same tool of visualization, but on the one hand, like no matter how often I visualize it raining gold coins, I'm just gonna get depressed and discouraged because it's not raining gold coins. Now watch, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna like walk out tomorrow and <laughs> my upstairs neighbor's gonna have like a leak and like whatever's gonna fall down on my head. And I'm like, oh man, maybe I should have not used that example. Maybe I altered reality. We you keep me updated on what happens. I'll let you know, <laughs> but we'll, we'll but do a follow-up podcast. I started thinking about how crazy is it that like the word you said value focused yeah. and you were, were you talking about adding like life, like value to your life? Or were you talking about like the values that I've, that I've attributed like me, my, my moral values. I, I was talking or, about like, your uh, quality. Uh, more, more so the latter, but it has to do with the former too. Right. So, so, right. So, so. What, what was funny to me that quality, yeah. like a quality and value, are both words to describe your self worth. You bet. But also words that apply to monetarily. Yeah. Uh, as, as like wealth and uh, your knowledge is wealth too. So it's. You bet. You bet. Well, it, it really goes to like, so one of the problems that humans have when, when we encounter stressful situations is that we get anxious, we freak out and we do stuff that, that is not always consistent with who we are. And, and that in turn chips away at our self-esteem. Like it, it's hard to have high self-esteem if we're looking at our behavior over the course of the day and we're like, huh, like, well, that's not really who I am. And that's not really who I am. Like, come on, what am I doing here? So when I say values oriented, I mean, if we visualize again and again, that man, when a stressor occurs, like I'm not going to freak out and do something that's out of character for me. I'm going to remember, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. Mm -hmm. Now that feeds into this other definition of value that you're talking about, because man, talk about what creates value and what adds value. I would say that one of the things that very much adds value is having a life experience where we, we feel like ourselves. Like it sounds weird to say, but where we feel like, like we have the ability and the willingness to be consistent with who we say we are. Cause we all could look, we all know people who are not right. Like we all know people who kind of put on a front over here and, 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 you know, and, and are not consistent with that. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's hard to add value to somebody else's life when that's your deal, right? Like I was, in fact, I would go so far as to say that if you think of the people who have added value to your life, they've probably been the most consistent. Like they've probably been the, like, man, I can rely upon them to be consistent with who they are, right? Like mm -hmm. very, very rarely it's like, yeah, that two-faced guy, he added a lot of value to my life. <laughs> well, well I mean, there is value in in that too, because then you learn. You learn. That's true. <laughs> you learn lessons for sure. Lessons are very valuable. That's true. Fair, so, fair enough. Fair enough. You got me. So, uh, as far as the consistency, you would then at that point have to realize that that frequency isn't the consistency you want to really you surround yourself with. You and go. I want to make sure I say, make sure I absolutely say. If anything I ever say is something that you would like to apply, apply it. If it applies, if you give me credit, cool. If not, whatevs. But for sure, I want to, I want to be the resource, and I want to, I want to be 
like when it did, when it did come back to us, like talking about Napoleon Hill, when he yeah. goes, you can't, you can't expect something without giving something. Right. So nobody, nobody just becomes a millionaire because they want to be a millionaire. Like they've got to, they've got to bring some, something to the table here on it. You so for, for sure, when it comes to uh, me having these conversations with people, uh, absolutely. Like I'm not, offering you tons like i don't have a platform that's humongous that's going to change your career or anything but at the end of the day you can have these valuable conversations and yeah. you might you might pull from it some cool examples to apply to something later that it just it just the puzzle piece fits so perfectly and you don't really know why and maybe maybe the 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 thing I said worked itself right into your subconscious mind. You don't even remember where you heard it. That's why I say if you don't credit me, whatevs, because it's like the 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 value is in the in those those fleeting moments. Oh, you bet, you bet. But, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I was expecting to go on the evolving with Corey Castle podcast, and this was this would be my breakout. Like this was going to be. <laughs> The thing, with the man, the myth, the legend. You're you're telling me that that it's not. I, uh, prepare, prepare, prepare yourself for your life to change. I can get all the I can get all the Chris Jericho fans to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love I'm Chris just, Jericho. Everyone loves Chris Jericho. Couple other quick things, and then I'll send you off into the sunset with a hot dog oh. and a handshake. <laughs> All right, so I do this thing on the show. Every time I call it audio time travel, yeah. okay? So in 20 years from now, 2041, your, your, your loved ones, your wife, your kids, whoever, comes across this audio, comes across this video, and they're going to hear a message specifically recorded for them in the year 2021, but right now you're acting like it's 2041. Okay. And this audio time travel message, what are you saying to people? It could be, it could be me. It could be me who listens back to it. I care about you. <laughs> so it could be me. But I'm saying whatever, whatever. Me. What's that? If you care about me, that that warmed my heart just then, man. That's great. That's beautiful. I, that that's <laughs> You deserve it, man. You deserve it for sure. <laughs> tell, tell that to James Arthur. <laughs> so, so what, what messages would you give to help the people you love with evolving to a better version of themselves? My, my biggest message, and this, this is true today, I, I assume it's going to be true in 20, 40, 60, 100 years, is that ideas about what make for a good life are going to change. Um, I, I, ideas about how to change how you think and feel like they're all going to change. Like, like the stuff that I do as a psychologist today, may be completely nonsensical in 20, 40, 60 years. One thing that I'm pretty sure will be the same though. Can, can I point out that you said two, four, six, I did. The, the number of the episode. Good catch. Good catch. Um, 
So that all, that stuff is, is all going to change. Something that I am pretty sure is not going to change is the fact that when you're freaking out, because I assume people are still going to freak out, and, and, and when we're pressured, when we're in pain, the temptation is going to be to try to do too much. Resist that temptation and just do the next right thing. Just focus on the next thing. Focus on what's right here in front of you. So no matter kind of what, uh, what problem you're having or what technology you, you know, might be appropriate to resolve that problem, you're always going to keep coming back to do, just do the next thing. Don't overwhelm yourself. Do the next right thing. That would be my, my message to anybody listening to this in 20, 40, 60 years, but especially like people I love. It's, it's, I tell you, Corey, it, it is one of the most painful things in the world to, to see somebody that you love struggling with something that's overwhelming. And you want to say, look, you don't have to handle all of this right now. You really don't. You can't handle all of this right now. What you can do is focus here and now. Like just do this thing. Just do the next right thing. Now, that's my my thought about the, the 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 audio, the audio time travel. I like that the audio time travel. I dig that. So I um, I want to make sure that I want to make sure that it's very known that I'm 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 somebody that can be your friend. Like I'm a I'm a real person. If you're having problems, and this doesn't just specifically go for you, this goes for anybody listening. If you're going through something, absolutely, I'm not a hard person to get a hold of. Would you say we set this up a couple days ago, right. and here we are talking? I'm a real person. I'm not a hard person to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. um, so, if this is your first time checking out this show, maybe maybe want to subscribe. Maybe want to tell your friends. Maybe you want to share some of the stuff clip it clip it F for sure take clips out of it if you think the stuff's cool do whatever you want with it and you know maybe just don't maybe just don't uh don't take the parts where it might have been upsetting <laughs> and say look at this jerko upsetting me oh, that was profound man that's <laughs> that was just maybe maybe don't eh, maybe <laughs> Maybe the best parts. Maybe maybe the highlights. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the high spots. <laughs> Highspots.com. Highspots.com. <laughs> For all your big gold belt needs. <laughs> uh, the way I wrap it up every time. Yeah. Uh, wrap up every, every time is I say, hypothetically, I've gifted you this show. Yes. So the podcast is now your show. This is going to be the first episode, the pilot episode of Evolving with Dr. Glenn Doyle, Oof. episode one. Yeah. In a very Jerry Springer's final thought type of way, uh, in in however much time you need, that's going to help people with inspiring them to make sure that they continue to evolve. Yeah. What are the takeaways from your first episode of your podcast? For me, it's pretty straightforward. The fact that, you know, if you look at everything we've talked about, we talked a lot about pro wrestling. We talked about 
entertainment. You know, we talked about mental health. We talked, you know, we kind of got into some, some, and some metaphysics. Um, if you notice the, the thing that binds all of those things together is that we had a, an exchange, a back and forth of listening and responding and building upon like, like an improv, you're a comedy guy, like an improv, the whole thing is like, it's all about the yes. And mm-hmm. this is how we create quality of life. It, it, it doesn't have to be about one specific thing. Like, like, look, I've done plenty of podcasts where we just talk about mental health. Um, and it's really easy when we're trying to build, you know, when we're trying to improve our life. Like, we can go down the rabbit hole and you can wind up talking mental health and self-help all day long. I think as a final thought, I want folks to just really reflect upon the fact that quality of life is not just about narrowly hitting that behavioral science or psychology or self-help thing like you know the quality of life is built upon an exchange and an honest connection around things that people are passionate about interested in you know like like at various times in this podcast you the viewer have watched me light up you know you've watched Corey light up you know you've, you've watched us laugh and and yes and each other for you know a couple hours now that's what creates quality of life, man. Don't don't get too don't get too narrow about it. Really, kind of think about, man, what can I get interested in and passionate about, and and uh, you know how can I connect with somebody around that? That's my thought, anyway. Can can I can I say can I also say a final thought? And please do, and, yes. and for sure, for no, sure, no, you can't have it for sure be a thing that I think. That you can you can you can use you can absolutely apply this if it applies. Yeah. When it comes to ways, ways to do things, methods, mm-hmm. uh, way out the us from the thes, mm-hmm. meaning like, oh, the way the way to do this, the way to do that, and the only way is this, and go. No, that's a way. That's a way you can. You can do a whole, there's so many, so many ways up the mountain. There's not only one way up. Big so, time. you know, weigh out those us and thus. Love it. Love it. Hell of a point. Be kinder to ourselves. Be fun. Have safe. Keep evolving. Love it. <laughs>